Hi there everyone, hope this finds you well. My name is Sharissa Tarosian and it's my privilege to share with you some thoughts on our Sabbath School lesson this week. It's more a summary overview if you will. We're continuing our study into this Sabbath School lesson theme, how to interpret scripture and we're up to lesson number three and the topic this week is Jesus and the Apostles view of the Bible and I think you'll find it to be quite interesting. And so before we go any further, I'd just like to ask you to bow your heads uh, wherever you are as we open with prayer. Our loving Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the privilege we have of studying your word. But we dare not move into a study of this sacred book without first inviting your Holy Spirit to be present and to speak to our hearts very personally. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us from your word. And may Jesus be lifted up in our thoughts as we do, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it should come as no surprise to any of us that there are many popular misconceptions of the Bible and about the Bible in our society today. And many have made the Bible out to be a document that is man's view of God rather than God's view of man. And so as we look at the Bible, we realize that actually the Old Testament scriptures formed the basis of the New Testament. In fact, the Old Testament was the Bible for the New Testament. And as we consider now and look at how Jesus and the apostles related to the Bible, I think you and I will understand better how we should relate to this book even today in our lives. It's no ordinary book as we learned in last week's lesson, but this book has divine authority because it is the word of God and we looked at how that word came to us. You know, perhaps one of the most uh, beautiful representations of the importance of the word in our daily experience is modeled for us in the life of Jesus when the Bible tells us after his baptism Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. And there he was in the wilderness. He was fasting for 40 days. For 40 days, he's, at his, uh, he's fasting, he's praying. And when he was at his absolute weakest, the Bible tells us that is when he was tempted by the devil. And I guess that's just a good point for us to reflect on in and of itself, because Satan comes to you and I to whisper temptations, to whisper doubts and discouragements, not when we're feeling on top of the world, and sometimes he does that even then, but he loves to attack us when we're at our weakest, when we're tired, when we're hungry, when we're stressed, when we're, when we're in need of some basic want as Jesus was, he was physically exhausted. The devil saw his opportunity. He is no gentleman. And so as he comes to Jesus... He says in verse 3 of Matthew chapter 4, and I have my Bible open here. The Bible says, now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. But notice what Jesus, how he responded. Verse 4, we know it well. But he answered and said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And I would expect that you and I could say an amen to this verse right here. By quoting scripture, Jesus therefore affirmed the Bible's authority in his life. He said that the Bible had a practical application to the temptations that would come to his flesh. His appetite in this case was where the temptation was trying to reach him. But Jesus uses God's word as a... As a 
a safeguard against temptation here. And he says, it is written. But of course, you and I know that there were three temptations that were brought to Christ right there. The other was, of course, um, the others were in, in no particular order. Jesus was tempted. The devil tried to tempt him with the kingdoms of this world. And the Bible says he showed him all the kingdoms of this world in their glory. And he said in verse 9, this is the devil, he said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. But friends, the kingdoms of this world, the palaces, the pomp, the popularity, they could hold no sway over Christ because he answered the devil and he said, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Um, there's a beautiful line in the lesson and I, I wrote it here in my notes just to quote to you here. Christ reminds us that true worship is focused on God and not on anyone else. And submission to his word is true worship. That's a very powerful point. Submission to his word is true worship. And of course, the other temptation that came to Christ here in the wilderness, we find it in verse 6. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, after he took him up on a pinnacle of the temple, he said, throw yourself down. And then he quoted scripture to Jesus to try and prove his point. But again, as Jesus was tempted and the devil was trying to catch him on the love of display and presumption, we find that again, Jesus met the temptation with God's word. It is written three times. Jesus said, it is written. So therefore, very clearly, according to Jesus, the Bible and the Bible alone is to be our standard and our foundation for faith. And I love that, you know, Jesus didn't have to quote our memory verse. The memory verse this week, by the way, if you haven't noticed, is actually Matthew 4 verse 4. Man shall not live by bread alone. Rather, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus didn't have to say that. He didn't have to quote the memory verse because he is God. But Jesus, as God, he submitted himself to the word of God as well. And he sets for us a shining example of what we should do in our own lives. And so I ask you, as I reflect on this myself, and I ask myself, how is it with your life? And how is it with mine? Does a thus saith the Lord, does an it is written, form the foundation of your faith, of your life? Or are you or am I led by my own opinions about what I think should be truth? Or even by the tide of popular opinion, are we letting the world around us guide what should be the foundation of our faith rather than letting the Bible be that foundation for us? Some of the ways that I think you and I can really apply this um, to our lives, how we can really ensure that our lives uh, founded on God's word would be scripture memory and committing God's word to mind. It's interesting, the Bible doesn't tell us that when Jesus was in the wilderness, he whipped out a notepad and said, um, here is my answer, it is written. No, the Bible tells us that Jesus had the word of God in his heart. He had committed it to memory and I think we should do the same. And uh, if you're wondering how you can commit God's word to memory, there's a, a scripture app, uh, sorry, a scripture memory app. I think it's called Scripture Typer, and that, that's helpful. But also, there, I found that when you put 
Bible verses to music. It helps it to sit in your memory because you often remember how the tune goes. And if you put words to the tune, well, the memory will often bring that back for you. And I have a friend who's actually, you know, committing verses to memory. And she said that when she goes for a walk, she finds it much easier to commit the Bible to memory because the blood's moving, her brain's active, and so it's much easier for her to, to do this. And so I just share those with you and see if you'd like to implement them in your own life. And perhaps you even have some other ideas which may be helpful for others to hear about as well. Take them to your Sabbath school Zoom call or however you're having Sabbath school this Sabbath or share them with somebody else because scripture memory can be a tremendous blessing for us as we meet the temptations that come whispered to our hearts by the evil one, we can meet them as Jesus did with an it is written. As we move on and consider now how Jesus related even to the law, you know, there's a very popular teaching in our world today which basically says that Jesus did away with the law of God, therefore we don't have to keep God's law um, and I'm sure you've heard sentiments like this in conversation with friends that you have. But friends, nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible never teaches that Jesus did away with the law. In fact, when the Bible tells us that Jesus fulfilled the law, it really means that Jesus filled it up with meaning. He showed us the beauty of the law. And I'd just like to highlight for you, by the way, if you want to look at um, how and where the Bible tells us that Jesus filled the law up with meaning. You can see that in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 and in verses 17 to 20. But I'd just like to show you another verse that helps us to understand how Jesus understood um, the law. If we look at Matthew chapter 22 and notice verses 37 to 40 here, we see that Jesus said, to him, he's speaking uh, to a lawyer who asked him a question, and the question was, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus answered him in verse 37 of Matthew 22. He said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. And of course, Jesus is here actually quoting directly from the book of Deuteronomy. And right here we see that supreme love to God and impartial love to man are the principles that are to be wrought out in the life of a Christian. And I was having a conversation with a friend who I'm studying the Bible with. And, and she said, well, I believe in the two commandments. I said, what are they? And of course, she read to me these ones right here. She said, love God and love man. I said, great. And I said, how do you love God? She says, well, you, you respect him. You, you do these things. She was stumbling across her words. And I said, well, how do you love men? Well, you be kind to him and so on. And I said to her, do you realize that on that first commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, the first four commandments of the Ten Commandments tell us how we should love God. And then I said to her, do you realize that the way we love man is expressed in God's law for us in the final six commandments of his law? They show us how we can show love to one another, to respect 
and, and caring for one another. And so really, we see that these two commandments, the first commandment and the second commandment that are the summary of God's law, and basically the summary even of the Old Testament, they summarize the Ten Commandments, but they act like hinges, two hinges on a door. The hinge of the, the first hinge is the love, the first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart. The second hinge is love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two, the Bible says, hang all the law and the prophets. You could put basically the Old Testament on that door because it is a summary of of the whole thing. And I'd like to share with you a quote that's actually in your lesson, and it's from Christ's Object Lessons, page 39 and 40. It says, He, that is Christ, pointed to the scriptures as of unquestionable authority, and we should do the same. The Bible is to be presented as the word of the infinite God and as the end of all controversy and the foundation of all faith. And so, sure. The university you attend may not agree with you. Sure, your work colleagues may not agree with you. Maybe even members of your own family may not agree with you on this point. But friends, we ought to submit to God and his word. Because I'm thinking too of this book, The Great Controversy, and there's a line there in a chapter called The Scriptures, Our Only Safeguard. And it's a very common line. I'm sure you've heard of it. But it's come to my mind in recent times. And it says this, None but those who have fortified the mind with the truths of the Bible will stand through the last great conflict. The way we prepare is by surrendering ourselves to God each and every day and surrendering ourselves to his word. When I think too about Jesus, I think not only about his relationship um, to the law, and his relationship to God's word. But thinking about how he saw the whole of scripture is also very helpful. Perhaps one of the most interesting passages we could look at on this subject would be, of course, the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Ah, this is an amazing story. Here they are, two disciples. Um, they're downcast. They feel like the events of the weekend of Calvary have been the decimation of their hopes and dreams. But on this walk to remember, we find that Jesus meets them. Ah, that's a beautiful thought. Jesus meets them while they're in their, in their lowest thoughts and feelings. He meets them and they explain to him how their faith has been shattered by the current events. And then Jesus, the Bible says to them, rather he said, the Bible says, Jesus uses the Old Testament to explain to these two disciples that these events were actually a fulfillment of prophecy. In fact, I'm in Luke chapter 24, and you can read the whole passage as you study the lesson this week. But in Luke chapter 24, and notice verse 27, the Bible says, And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, that is Jesus, expanded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And I like how a friend of mine put it once. He said, the Old Testament is really very new. Jesus used the Old Testament as his Bible. And he saw himself um, in the Old Testament. He, he saw that he was the fulfillment of the promises of the Messiah in the Old Testament. And so Jesus he shares this with the disciples and you and I can be sure 
But as Jesus expounded to the disciples the things concerning himself from the Old Testament, I believe that this is telling us he expects for us to do the same today. He expects for us to share from all scripture the things concerning himself, all the New Testaments combined. And of course, in the Great Commission of Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, there is again a call to teach the world, to go into all the world and teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And uh, this is what God wants you and I to do. He's calling for you and I to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, to go and teach them the things about Jesus. And if you think that doesn't apply to you, just remember, go ye means go me. Friends, if the Bible, all of it, was good enough for Jesus, then I think it's good enough for us as well. Jesus not only accepted the Bible as all being useful for our faith and all being useful for sharing him as the fulfillment of prophecy, But Jesus says that the Bible is the word of God and therefore it says what God says. And he used the Bible as an example of real records of actual history. And the Bible lesson study, sorry, not the Bible lesson study, the lesson study this week gives several verses which I will let you look up in your own time um, on I think it's Wednesday's lesson, but it's Matthew 12, verses 3 and 4. talks about the story of how David, when he was on the run, Jesus referred to this story and how David ate uh, the showbread. Um, In Mark chapter 10, verses 6 through 8, we see Jesus references the creation account as something that actually happened, was literal, when God made marriage, even gave the gift between a man and a woman. Um, In Luke chapter 4, verses 25-27, we see the story of Elijah and the widow of Zarephath is mentioned by Jesus. He even mentions and refers to Abel from the story of Genesis. He refers to Abel in Luke chapter 11, verse 51, and Noah, of course, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 38. And I'm thinking of other stories, too, that Jesus referenced, like Lot, Lot's wife, Solomon and the Queen of Sheba were referenced by Jesus, even uh, the book of Daniel and the prophet Daniel, and even Jonah, the story of Jonah. All of these, Jesus says, are historical fact they actually happened. And so I think that's a really good thing for us to think on as we live today, because we are living in a day and age when Satan's deceptions have become so sophisticated, so rampant, that people are denying literal history. But there's so many things that can help encourage our faith in the Bible, even as a historical document. And I'm thinking about the proof of archaeology particularly. Uh, You can just type in your Google browser, the Bible and archaeology, and spend the rest of your life surfing the evidence. Um, God has given us a head. He says, use your brain. Use your brain, see the evidence, and know that the Bible attests to actual history. In closing, not only did Jesus have a high regard for the Bible, but it's no surprise that the apostles did as well, because they were following Jesus. They viewed the authority of Scripture the same way he did. And I even think, just to show you one example of this, um, Galatians chapter 3, in verse 8 
The Bible says, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, In you all the nations shall be blessed. Now, this is just so showing us how closely scripture is related to the voice of God. In this very text, the word scripture is used in place of God. And so therefore, I think it's very clear that the Old Testament is the foundation for the New Testament. And there have been some who have tried to count the number of references that are in the New Testament to the Old Testament. And they've found that there are thousands. In light of this, you and I need to be careful to respect, value and appreciate the Bible as they did, as Jesus and the apostles did. I'd like to close off this lesson summary for you today by just reading the final quote from Inspiration um, from Fundamentals of Christian Education, page 432. It says, Those who become best acquainted with the wisdom and purpose of God as revealed in his word become men and women of mental strength, and they may become efficient workers with the great educator, Jesus Christ. Christ has given his people the words of truth and all are called to act a part in making them known to the world. There is no sanctification aside from the truth, the word, then how essential that it should be understood by everyone. That is a powerful quote. And so as we close today, I don't know about you, but I recognize personally a need for God's word in my life today. As I live in a world with changing circumstances and how things can change just like that, as we are experiencing in the current pandemic times, we need God's word. And so I pray that God would help us each one every day to cherish, value and prayerfully study his sacred word, for in it we can find him and we can find the hope that our souls need. Let's pray. Our loving Father, thank you for your word. As we have reflected upon it and upon its importance to Jesus and its importance to the apostles, we see, Lord, that this word ought to be of supreme importance to our lives as well. Help us to make time every day to read your word, to hear what God says to us, that our lives may be guided by its principles and that we might, live, we might live as Jesus did by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so, Lord, we love you and we thank you for this time that we have shared in study. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.